0: Snuff production. Hello, welcome to the briefing. It's Tuesday, August 10. I'm Tom Tilley, joined by Annika Smethers. Hey, Annika.
1: Hey, Tom, and on today's briefing, the Terminator, Ariane Arnie Titmus. She speaks to us from Howard Springs, where she's in hotel quarantine and tells us where she's keeping those precious four medals she won.
2: They are tucked away in one of my suitcases under the desk. I um, pulled them out a couple of times last night. I was on my best friend set up like a Zoom dinner party with seven of my best friends, and they wanted to see um, one of the medals. I pulled one of them out last night, and then I tucked it back away again.
0: Uh, It's such a great conversation. It's just bizarre to think of her in hotel quarantine. Instead of being brought home with a ticker tape parade. It's a great conversation. She's really impressive the way she talks about her sport, let alone the way she performs. So that's Ariane Titmus in depth talking about her two gold medal swims in Tokyo in the second half of today's briefing.
1: A code red for humanity. An increase in catastrophic weather events is closer than ever because global warming is proceeding faster than expected.
0: That's according to the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which released its latest report overnight. They come out every seven years. It warned global temperatures are likely to rise by 1.5 degrees by 2030 or 2035.
1: The panel of 234 scientists warned that increase will lead to longer and more severe fire seasons in Australia and more periods of extreme rainfall
0: and drought. IPCC Vice Chair and ANU Professor Mark Howden told the ABC the world can ensure temperatures don't rise by 1.5 degrees if significant actions to reduce carbon emissions are taken. In the very low scenarios, even though we may go over 1.5 degrees, uh, we can then come back down below
1: 1.5. World leaders had previously agreed to keep global warming below that 1.5 degree level at the last Paris Climate Change Summit in 2015.
0: So this report, Annika, I imagine will uh, keep the heat, uh, pardon the pun, on world leaders as they head into Glasgow later in the year.
1: Yeah, Australia has indicated it might take new long-term emissions reductions target to that conference in November, which is being held by the UN. Of course, Morrison has his own domestic issues to weigh up though, doesn't he? Because we know Mm. not everybody in his party room uh, would support that sort of net zero carbon emissions by 2050, which is what a lot of countries are doing, more than 80 countries are doing now. So that'll be the pressure from the global community. It'll be about trying to balance that with the people he sits in a room with.
0: Yeah. So he sits in the room with the nationals. And when Barnaby Joyce took over the leadership again recently, he basically said, Scott Morrison needs to show me a plan on how we would do this and what the cost would be. So is it your understanding that Morrison is working on such a plan?
1: It was a little bit of a walk away from what Barnaby initially promised. The Nationals are split on this. It's not that all of them don't want to do it. Uh, that's what a lot of the leadership contest was over. There's also a few Libs that aren't exactly happy with this. A lot of them live in more northern states, and it really does divide the party room, as it has for years. Both Labor and the Liberal Party have seen leader after leader roll over this. Look, it's my understanding that he wants to do something, Scott Morrison, and in many ways he's probably got the party further than the previous two prime ministers in this space but it really is a balancing act and going into an election I think it'll be probably his biggest challenge so far.
0: And more regional areas in New South Wales have gone into COVID lockdown as rules are lifted for regional Victorians.
1: Four local government areas in the northeast of New South Wales, including Byron Bay, went under Sydney-level restrictions last night and similar measures were brought in for Tamworth in the central north.
2: As a precaution, uh, the health experts have recommended that we lock down Tamworth for one week.
0: That's Gladys in there.
1: Those lockdowns came as restrictions were eased in regional Victoria overnight, The There will still have to wear masks and can't travel to Melbourne.
0: And Australians will have access to a third COVID vaccine after Moderna was approved yesterday.
1: Essentially, the Moderna vaccine is a very similar vaccine to the Pfizer vaccine. Essentially, it's nice to have another vaccine in the army alongside the AstraZeneca vaccine and Pfizer vaccine. Australian Medical Association doctor Chris Moy speaking to the ABC there. Moderna was given approval for adults by the Therapeutic Goods Administration on Monday afternoon. And Australia has already locked in a deal to receive 25 million doses of the drug.
0: Yeah, they're due to start coming next month, so that is good news. In making the announcement, Professor John Scarrett from the Therapeutic Goods Administration said Moderna had very impressive results. It's proving to be
1: 93% efficacious against any infection, 98% against severe
0: disease, and 100% against death, and that's really exciting.
1: As you said there, Tom, 10 million doses before the end of this year. The other 15 million will arrive next year and serve as booster shots, and there is growing evidence that mixing and matching your booster shot, combining a different combination with perhaps the first vaccine you got, is actually a great way to stimulate the immune system. So a lot of people will be getting this one, perhaps if maybe they got a different vaccine this year.
0: And a court trial of R. Kelly has started in New York. The 54-year-old is facing charges of racketeering, sexual exploitation of a child, kidnapping, bribery and forced labour spanning from 1994 to 2018.
1: Callie was in court on Monday, New York time, as jury selection began. He's been in prison since his arrest in July 2019.
0: So, first I'll select the jury, and then opening statements are due to commence on August 18, which is next week. In just a moment, Ariane Titmus. She gets into the lead, Ariane Titmus. The legend is growing before our eyes. She does it again—an Olympic record, a golden double. Ariane Titmus, the two and four. Those were two of the mind-blowing gold medal swims from Ariane Titmus, as called by the official Olympic broadcaster, Channel Seven. She also got second in the 800 plus bronze in the relay. We are joined by 20-year-old hero. Ariane Titmus, She joins us from Howard Springs in quarantine. In normal times, you would have come home to a ticker tape parade. So can you describe the reality you're seeing around you right now?
2: (laughs) Well, I've honestly just woken up about 10 minutes ago up in Howard Springs. In the morning, i turn the telly on, have a coffee, and then we do a group of us do a bit of exercise outside in our balconies. And then Pretty much, we just watch the clock as the day goes by. There's not much to do. I mean, we can sit in the sun, exercise a bit again, uh, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's pretty boring, to be honest. We're just lucky to go to the Olympics and get home. So, I guess we just got to do what we got to do.
0: So, whereabouts in the room have you got those medals sitting?
2: They are tucked away in one of my suitcases under the desk. <laughs> I um, pulled them out a couple of times last night. I was on my best friend set up like a Zoom dinner party with seven of my best friends and they wanted to see um, one of the medals. So I pulled one of them out last night and then I tucked it back away again.
0: <laughs> when you do pull those medals out of the suitcase and you hold one of those medals or several of those medals in your hands, what does it feel like?
2: I think the biggest thing, like even last night, just looking at my medal and, you know, all my friends were like loving it, but I was like looking at it. And the biggest thing is when you look at the medal, you realize the history of the Olympics. A world championship medal is obviously amazing, but it's different to an Olympic medal where they've got the Olympic goddess on the front and it just kind of like makes you realize how big the Olympics is and how important it is. And I think that kind of stuck with me a little bit. I still don't think I've realized what I've achieved. I don't think I'll realize that for a long time, to be honest. But little bits here and there are making me start to understand what it means to become Olympic champion. Like even watching the closing ceremony, it was actually really emotional. Like it kind of felt like I wasn't there. Mm. Like it's really strange to be at home already with the Olympics on TV. So I think those little things are starting to make me realize um, what I did.
0: Did you ever expect that you'd win two gold?
2: Well, I definitely set big goals and I knew that in the 200 and the 400, if I swam to my ability, I could 100% win both of those events. I always thought that I'd love to come home with a couple of gold, but it's a different thing to say that and then when you actually achieve that, it's really special and I think that's why it's been such a whirlwind for me because even when you're little and you say you're going to go to the Olympics, you obviously have no understanding of what it takes to get there and then for me, setting goals a few years ago to come away with gold medals at the Olympics, it still seemed a bit unattainable and every kind of, you know, month or year I got closer to the Olympics and obviously beating Katie in 2019, it kind of seemed more attainable, but it still was a massive goal. Like it, you know, it's one thing to be swimming fast in the lead up to the Olympics, but then it's another thing to be able to do it when all the pressure's on and Mm. a huge environment to perform under and, so to be able to do it, I think um, it was honestly just a massive relief.
1: That, of course, was one of the great stories of the Games, your rivalry with Ledecky. Now, it's not a bitter rivalry. You have a great respect for each other. And a lot of athletes talk about the need to have somebody like Ledecky to chase, that like Federer and Nadal, constantly competing, that really intense rivalry. How does it help or hinder your performance?
2: Firstly, the standard that Katie set for middle distance swimming around the world is amazing. I think that she set her world record in the 400 freestyle at the Rio Olympics. I was nowhere near 356 and, you know, I saw what she was doing and didn't think that I'd ever get near her. But I think the standard she set meant that I worked probably harder than I thought I could to try and chase her. I think if she wasn't swimming under four minutes, I don't think I would be swimming under four minutes because Mm. it wouldn't be like I'd be chasing something as tough Mm. The standard that she set has lifted middle distance swimming around the world. And this Olympics, a lot of girls swam very fast over the distances that I compete in. So I think that that's all because of her doing. And then I think hopefully with me now being in the battle with her, both of us can lift the standard. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone else over the next couple of years cracks that four-minute barrier and they're kind of in the mix as well.
0: That's you and Katie Ledecky in the pool. What about outside of the pool? Because I kind of teared up when I saw you guys doing an interview together. The way you just stood next to each other and there was this kind of like you were really comfortable in each other's presence, but also really respectful. And it really looked like a special interpersonal connection you guys have.
2: When we're in the pool, we are tough competitors. We race hard. I put the blinders on and she's just another competitor that I'm swimming against in the race but then when that's all done I you know really respect her as a person and I'm sure she does of me and you know we have great chat she's good company a lovely person and you know I just think of her very much like myself she just has a love for the sport and has worked incredibly hard to get to where she is and I think that's why we have respect for each other because we understand what it takes Mm -hmm. to get to this level I know what I've gone through to get to this and close to 10 years now. She's been on top of her game at this level. I think that that's just unbelievable. So I think that's why we pretty much have the respect for each other.
1: When you say what you've been through to get to this, there is a huge personal cost. And we all, mere mortals, come out and celebrate you every four years, but we have no idea what goes on between those times. Your family moved from Tassie to Queensland, so you could train. You're a 20-year-old. You probably don't get time for the things other 20 year olds get time for. So can you tell us about that personal cost?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really tough. I've always said to myself, though, that becoming a professional athlete has been a choice of mine. And it's the choices that I make to be an athlete that I live by. I feel like I don't make any sacrifices. A lot of 20 year olds are probably out there having fun, studying, working, partying. And obviously, I can't really do all those things, but I can do that for the rest of my life. I'm at the pool, not just swimming, but doing gym, spin, core, other things for between 40 and 45 hours a week. And it is a job. I've had to put my studying on hold. I'll go back to it next year, but I put it on hold for the Olympics so I could absolutely prioritize training. So pretty much my life has just been solely about swimming. So I'm looking forward to, in the next couple of months, kind of relaxing a little bit and giving myself a mental break as well, because it's a very mundane schedule as well. It's the same thing every Mm. single day. And there's really no time to relax. Like I've got to be on at every training session. So yeah, it's very grueling.
1: Now, Ariane, this must be one of the longest times you haven't actually had access to a pool. Can you tell us how that is, not being able to swim every day and especially how unusual that is?
2: When I started swimming when I was seven, um, since then, I haven't had a break out of the water longer than two weeks, even in COVID. Last year, when we got locked down, the pool shut. I was lucky enough to be offered a backyard pool after two weeks and I trained in that. So it is weird not to be swimming now, but I've always planned to have a big break after the Olympics. So this is just the beginning of my break. So it's kind of nice not have to worry about swimming and cutting wet hair all the time. It's the little things that really just make a big difference.
0: I've been interested to read that Gina Reinhart has been financially supporting a lot of athletes with a sort of a basic living wage. Were you getting support from her as well and how helpful was that?
2: missus reinhardt Reinhart's been helping the swimmers out for a number of years now. I think since I made my first Australian team, I can remember that she has been funding us. So She has like a Georgina Hope support scheme. Pretty much based on your world rankings, you get quarterly payments from her. So the higher you're ranked in the world, the more funds you get. I think that it provides that base salary to be able to live as an athlete and fund those basic necessities we need to buy food and living expenses. So without Mrs. Reinhardt, I think it would have been really tough on a lot of people.
1: And your coach is almost as famous as you after his celebrations went global. Can you tell us what's so special about Dean and also the importance of that relationship with a good coach?
2: (laughs) I'm sure everyone saw Dean's celebration and um, everyone that knows Dean personally probably knew that if I was to touch the wall first, that would be expected. Um, (laughs) He's a very passionate person and he loves his job and he, puts more into his job as a coach than anyone I know. I think that's why he gets us to perform because he's so passionate about what he does. And I think the reason why we work so well as a partnership is because we have complete trust in each other. I trust what he provides me as a program is going to make me perform to the best of my ability. And he trusts that I'll execute it as well as I can. And when you're looking to perform as an athlete, having a great relationship with your coach is really important. I mean, I think it's really important that you make sure that you find someone that you really gel with and you feel like you can work with and have a great friendship outside of the pool as well. I think that's really important too. We, we talk about a lot of things other than swimming. We have good banter. We have a laugh. And I think mm. that really keeps the relationship as an athlete and coach going as well.
0: So, Ariane, when you look at the overall swimming performance as our best Olympic swimming performance ever – But when you really narrow down, it was the the female swimmers and also a lot of you living in training in and around southeast Queensland. So what do you think special about this group of female swimmers that you're a part of?
2: Well, I think that in our country, we've had this unbelievable depth in sprint freestyle for a long time. So I think because of that, people are just trying to crack onto the team to be on that relay team. And pretty much if you're on that four-way 100 relay team, you're almost pretty much, if you perform on the day, certain of a gold medal at the Olympics. So I think that's why people have been striving to crack onto that team. And then in the 200 freestyle, we had this unbelievable depth in the country as well. And the same thing, girls are just wanting to get onto that relay team to try and be on that podium at the Olympics. I think that at our Olympic trials, the top seven girls would have been the same speed as it took to make the Olympics final this year at the Tokyo games. So we have this, yeah, unbelievable depth in the country. And I think that's just pushing girls to keep swimming faster and faster because the standard we're at also, we're all such great friends. And I think that's one thing that's really helped out the team this year. Um, we've all had this great camaraderie and support for each other. And I think this is the best team that I've been away on. 2019 worlds was back then my best team to date and I feel like this team was even better. I think that we just really gelled as a group and supported each other and really really wanting each other to perform not only for ourselves but for the whole team and I think that's why we've been such a success.
0: And that was double gold medal winner Ariane Titmuss speaking to us from Howard Springs. Tomorrow on The Briefing we'll see how Delta is affecting China. Will they have to change their strategy?
2: Listener.